right, everyone, welcome to episode 158, I think it is, of the Jesus Famous podcast. Our podcast exists to see Jesus honored, glorified, loved, esteemed, appreciated, adored, revered, and followed. That's Jesus Famous in our mindset. And we want this to happen in your everyday life. And as most of you know, I'm Nate Holdridge. I'll be hosting today. I'm a pastor of Calvary Monterey on the California Central Coast. Many of you are part of our fellowship, part of our church, and I welcome you. Thanks so much for following us in this way and trying to deepen your understanding of Jesus' famous grow in your personal walk with the Lord. And many of you aren't part of the church, um, and so you wouldn't know that on Sundays, that's what I preach about, Jesus Famous. And I also like to write and podcast about Jesus Famous during the week. And that's what this particular show is about. So we uh, release right now an episode every couple of weeks. And these uh, episodes consist of interviews that we do with different people, discussions that we have on various subjects, and uh, even stories that we think will help propel you. Uh, further into an appreciation of Jesus. I'm really excited about uh, today's episode. I'm going to have a discussion with Pastor Riley Monzo on the theology of worship. What is worship? What is corporate singing in church for? Why do we incorporate that in our gatherings together? on Sunday. Why has the church done that for so many years? What is the value in it? How should we be thinking of it? And to me, this is an important episode because uh, this is something that the regular everyday Christian is, if they're committed to a local church, likely doing every single week. So it's not something we should approach lightly or something that we should approach mindlessly, but that we should have an intentionality about and uh, Riley is a great guy to talk to on this subject. Uh, before I introduce Riley, though, just a couple of announcements for all of you. Uh, and both of them are related to resources that I've recently released uh, for you to be able to latch onto and enjoy. The first is the release of uh, a book I've written called Wholehearted Work. We released this book a few months ago, but recently we also released an audiobook version. So whether you want the book, and it's really, I should say, more of a booklet. I think it's about 70 pages in length, but um, I always give myself credit. I keep track of how many books I read each year, and if I read a 70-page book, hey, it's not my fault the author only went 70 pages. So it's a book. So it's more of a booklet, though, but... Um, the Wholehearted Work, I think it's five chapters long about why your work matters as a Christian, why it's important. And so if you'd like to get that in a digital version, like on Kindle or Nook or what, whatever device you use, uh, you can grab that wherever you buy books. If you'd like it in paperback version, you can get that wherever you buy books as well. And then now, of course, in audiobook version. So if you're like an audible person or uh, I don't even know what the other audiobook formats are out there, but it's available in all those formats and love to have you uh, connect with that resource. And, uh, and then the second thing I wanted to mention is also a resource. We uh, haven't announced this yet on nateholdridge.com, but we just came out with another book um, called Unreasonable Faith. These are based on the studies we did as a church through the book of Habakkuk. Uh, we've actually 
just finished recording the audiobook for that, but it's not yet released. But what is released is the uh, electronic, the ebook uh, version, and the uh, paperback version. If you'd like to grab a hold of that wherever you uh, buy books, no pressure whatsoever. These are just there for you. If if you're if it's helpful for you in the written or spoken word to connect with the Bible in that way then uh, that's why we're putting these into these various formats for you. So hopefully you enjoy them. I had a great time working on them. And um, I think that they're, they should be edifying and encouraging to you. But, uh, but, but moving on into the episode itself, I want to introduce Riley. Riley helps me pastor Calvary Monterey. Uh, he's currently 33 years old. And uh, him and his wife, Chesley, they're one of the sweetest couples that I know. They've got a beautiful little girl named Meadow, very active little little toddler at this stage. And uh, Riley and I, we go way back. We've been serving the Lord together for many years. He was actually part of my youth ministry for a number of years when I was a youth pastor. And so it's an honor to be able to serve with him. And one of his main roles uh, in pastoral work here in our church is that of worship pastor. We're going to actually talk about that title today. What does it mean? You don't see the, the, the title worship pastor in the New Testament. Uh, so what does that mean? Uh, but Riley is very uh, much involved in crafting our Sunday worship services and leading the music worship portion of our gatherings. And uh, he's a real creative guy, so he's involved in a lot of the creative elements of the church as well. And, uh, and I will say, I think Riley has one of the most pastoral hearts that, uh, that I know of personally. So I'm really happy to have him uh, chatting with you. And you guys know him if you've been following this show for any length of time, because we've had so many conversations together. He's served as the host of the show, the show in the past. Riley, welcome, man. Wow. It's a straight up privilege to be with you today, Nate. This is so cool. I didn't realize this is episode 158. What in the world? 158. There's a, <laughs> you know, there's a little bit of controversy out there in the internet on exactly right. how many episodes. I think that the Apple page shows something a little different than maybe our internal metrics, gotcha. but I went with the lower of the two numbers. I think Apple might be saying that we're like 165 or something like that, but I didn't want to, oh, wow. you know, I didn't want to push it. I didn't want to push it just in case no the, the in fact yeah. checker, checkers, you know. <laughs> Riley, I was actually the other day, I was I, I had a little extra time, which is not always something I have. But I was doing some pr preparation for future Jesus Famous podcast mm -hmm. episodes. And I was kind of daydreaming about the time when we're going to start streaming our Sunday services oh, baby. on Sundays. And mm -hmm. so... For those of you don't, who don't know, we are recording a pre-recorded Sunday service right now for the online gathering, and we do that on Thursday afternoons. And so I was daydreaming about the time when I won't have to do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and as I was daydreaming uh, dreaming about that, I was thinking, I think what I, I want to do is I want to have a monthly Riley-sode of uh -oh. the Jesus Famous podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got I've got all these ideas. It's just I've already I'm only two episodes in, and I miss you. Oh man! You know I miss just hanging out with you like this. So I'm so glad we could get together for this one. Oh same, 
I've loved doing those episodes with you in the past. And I have to tell you, I sat in on the first, you know, episode without me with Christina right. and you. And I was so blessed, so encouraged. I love the direction of the podcast, where it's going. I cannot wait to see where it goes. I'm a little concerned about the Riley sodes. I don't know how it's gonna go over, but I'm down for whatever you wanna do, man. You know, I'm, I'm here to ride or die with you, bro. So whatever you want. <laughs> well, I think it'd be fun. I, I'm, I'm envisioning some, some questions from Riley. You know, you're mm. just, you're like, you're so in on my teaching and preaching and like, you're just so like, um, you, you, you really, I think, analyze it well so you you have great questions that you ask about those things mm. whether it's articles i've written or things like that i'm also envisioning kind of like maybe like a call-in thing where Ooh. people can bring in questions and you kind of filter through those and we can chat about them and a couple of other fun things as well oh, a lot yeah. of people don't a lot of people don't know that you and me we're we're kind of audiophiles we love music a oh, lot 100 and that's our language you you definitely more than me um but um did, did I hear, actually, this is tangential to the music thing, but did I hear that um, when you had to put for our staff recently the kind of the movies, like one mm. of your favorite mm -hmm. movies, that you just put a general anything Wes Anderson? <laughs> did I? Yeah, man, I'm your typical hipster millennial guy. Just anything Wes Anderson, I'm in. I, I love, love it, it, man. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, I love it. That's so, it is on brand for you. Just artsy and, fartsy uh, kind of stuff. Yeah. I love it. But you and me, we'll like pretty regularly, I'll just get like a random text, you know, like you sent me one the other day. It just said, good morning. And then there was a link to Spotify <laughs> with a with a new song by, uh, was that Gabe Price, I think? Yeah, Gable, Gable Price. Gable mm -hmm. Price, yeah. That was great. That was a jam. But uh, we're always just sending each other uh, music that we like. I know there's um, there's only a certain few amount of people who I have that kind of overlap with with music, and you're definitely like my my indie rock kind of like fun hip hop kind of guy to go to. So yeah, I, I send you songs I don't send to anybody else because I know you'll probably appreciate it. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Well, I'll take it. So I was thinking, <laughs> you know, maybe maybe that'll be a segment, you know, on the Riley Sode, you know, like new music. Oh, Monday, DJ know? Monzo in the house? Oh, yeah. I'll do it, man. You just say the word. <laughs> well, Riley, oh, this, I mean, this, this subject, you know, thinking about um, worship and um, I think kind of right off the bat, a great question to ask is, what is, what is worship? You mm -hmm. know, I kind of, I, I don't know if you've ever seen the Forky asks a question. Uh, things on Disney Plus. <laughs> I but, haven't, no. Oh, Forky from Toy Story 4, I think it is. You know, he's just like this spork that the kid <laughs> in the movie like puts some little clay on or whatever and some some like fuzzy hands or whatever. And he, so he's just like the dumbest toy in the room and he doesn't know anything. So they made these little shorts. It's Forky asks a question. So he'll be like, what's a computer? What's a friend? You know, stuff like that and uh, they're just hilarious but and we kind of have to step back before he asks the question what is worship you know is it only is it only the song time does worship end at the sermon hmm. um, does it end on Monday when I go to work you know as I'm parenting my kids as I'm doing my finances hmm. 
what is what is worship to to you you know a biblically informed man yeah i mean that's such an important question right like you said in the intro we all as believers who attend church services and gatherings we all participate in worship music during the service but um do we all know like does it stop there does it extend past that what does that really look like um, for the church i looked up the dictionary definition and i thought i'd read this before i jump into some scripture because i love to point us to scripture and see what that has to say about worship but the dictionary says that worship is the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity it's also how we show reverence and adoration for a deity it's also honor with religious rites, which all that sounds good, right? But there's obviously one huge issue here is that we don't all agree on who the same deity is. People, there's a lot of different ideas out, out there about what the true deity is. So for us as Christians, and there's also some other issues with that definition that we'll probably get into as the conversation goes on about feeling, expression, um, all of that, but as Christians, how do we worship Jesus? How do we worship the God of Israel, Yahweh? How do we worship the Holy Spirit, this triune God made of three persons? Like, what does that look like for us? It definitely includes our Sunday services and the music that we sing. <clears throat> but I want to point us to uh, Romans 12, verse 1, because I feel like this has like a very succinct way of understanding what worship is. And then from there, it kind of like expands out into our Christian life. But Paul says in Romans 12, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So I, I don't want to take too much time explaining this, but um, if you're cool with it, Nate, I'll just break that Please. verse down a little bit. There's three things that, I feel like Paul's getting at here with this verse when it comes to what worship is. And the first thing is that worship is sacrifice. When Paul talks about you know, offering our bodies as a living sacrifice, he's kind of implying that our sacrifice never ends. Like as long as you're living, you are sacrificing, you are worshiping. And for Paul in his time, you know, animal sacrifices were the norm. He understood what that was. His listeners and readers would have understood what an animal sacrifice would have meant for worship. Um, an animal would be offered up, it would die, it would catch on fire, it would burn, it'd be done, right? But for a Christian, we're not necessarily, and we have, we have died to sin, to our old man, our old woman, but we are now alive in Christ. But in that new life, we continually sacrifice and offer ourselves mm. for worship. So. One of the things that we have to recognize about worship is that it is sacrifice. It comes with a cost. People talk about the cost of discipleship. There is, it, it requires so much of us. It requires our whole body. But not only that, it's also set apart. You know, Paul says here that it's holy, it's unique. Um, worship, worshiping God does not happen on accident it only happens on purpose. Like it has to be something that we value, we give ourselves to that word holy, you know, is like God is the only person who is truly holy. 
without sin above all outside of our world yet in our world at the same time like he is set apart but um for us although we are fallen humans redeemed by grace we still want our bodies and our lives to be set apart and we have to live in a distinct way for god like there's no way to like monetize worship there's no way to like um, necessarily subscribe to it, profit off of it, gain status from it. Holy means that it has like no cultural value to it. Like, it, it the value is only for God. Like he's the only one who's really honored through that worship. So it has to be like set apart. It has to be specific, planned out on purpose. But then also he says that it has to please God. Um, we don't worship to please ourselves although a lot of us may approach a worship service to get something from God, the main thing like, about worship is that we are engaging with God, we are pleasing God. We're not trying to just revolve around what we want or our desires, but we're thinking about like, what does God desire for my life? Like, what, is, what would really honor Him with my time, my emotions, my life, my finances, everything in between? How can I use my mind, my body, my energy to come into alignment with God's values and live in those to please Him. Mm. So I know I'm saying a lot. I think that what I'm trying to get at here is just that, you know, for me in the past, I thought that like the worship time of a church service was just the warm up for the teaching. Just get like a little bit of it, make sure it's upbeat and fun. And that'll kind of get you, you know, shaken up from the world for a little bit and geared towards scripture. And I think that, you know, our worship times do prepare our hearts for scripture. There's like no doubt about it, but worship is so much more than just the music that we sing and play on Sundays. It is that, and that I'm all about that. But when you really consider what it is, worship is a lifestyle and that's a cliche in Christian you know, circles, but it really truly is. It is a, we craft our lives around pleasing God, setting ourselves apart, sacrificing the, the best of us to God, our, our, our best energy, our best moments for God. So again, you know, it, it does touch every area of our lives. It, it is related to Sundays, it is related to our marriage, it's related to our parenting and everything in between. For sure, I love it's, it. it's a whole lifestyle. Yeah. Well said. So it sound, it's sounding to me like in your position as a worship pastor mm-hmm. who's very frequently up on a platform in front of a collection of God's people leading them in singing worship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds to me like what you're saying is that you would rather have someone who on Monday is saying, I'm going to work for the glory of God. I'm mm-hmm. going to treat my uh, co-workers well as Christ would have me treat them. I'm going to offer my very best in my work. I'm going to be respectful mm-hmm. to my superiors and I'm going to serve those that I'm leading. Um, a person who says, I want to mine God's word for what he says to me about how to parent. And I want to be gentle with my children, yet raise them up in the training and admonition of the Lord as the word tells me to. Mm -hmm. Or 
I want to live within my means. I want to be a good steward. I, I want to be disciplined with my finances. I want to be as generous as I possibly can, just like Jesus. It sounds to me like you'd rather have a person who looks like that Monday through Saturday and then comes in and sings the songs hmm. to God from the heart, but yes. maybe without even a lot of extraneous emotion attached to it. Yes. You'd rather have a person like that than someone who is none of those things during the week, yet hyper-passionate during the corporate singing time. I think that's yes. what I'm hearing from you. That worship is mm -hmm. the seven-day-a-week um, consecration of your life unto God, not just a 25-minute moment hmm. um, on a Sunday morning. Um, I was actually just talking with our staff you know, last year about what success looks like in the worship ministry. And I think that they were expecting me to say like, oh, and people have their hands raised during a Sunday service and when they're crying and when the, the moment is just like emotional and there's like this climax in the worship time. And when I was talking to them, I was like, you know, honestly, for me, and I think this might be like more kind of like the pastoral side of me too with, within the worship ministry is that success for me, I'm really looking like, are these people engaging with God's word daily? Are they forgiving people? Are they sticking with their spouse through the difficult times? Are their kids loving them? Are they um, gained a crazy debt when they shouldn't? Whatever it might be, you know, but like I'm thinking about all these different things and just because someone raises their hands or has this emotional moment on a Sunday isn't truly all, all that often indicative of something that's going on that's been cultivated throughout the week. It might just be for show sometimes. And let me just say, like, I, I raised my hands. I cried on Sunday when I was leading worship. Like, that stuff is common for me. You know, like, I love that stuff. And I'm not saying if you do that, that's wrong. I'm just saying to emphasize your point that we're, lo we're looking at worship as a lifestyle. The, what we do on Sundays is the special opportunity we have to come together with God's people and bring our worship, bring our best, bring this like this time during our day off a lot of times to worship God. This is like just an offering. And what a special chance to do that, not just by yourself, but with the people of God. Like what a unique experience that is. I always rejoice every single Sunday. I'm like, I'll look at people and I'm like, man, there's so many people in the world who don't get to do this. Like they're doing this underground. They're, they'd go to prison for doing this. I get to turn up the volume like as loud as I want in a lot of ways and shout and holler and call people to worship. It like makes me emotional when I'm leading because it's so special, you know? Mm. Don't want to take it for granted. So anyways, just to your point, yes, it is about that 24-7, 365 yeah. lifestyle. So as much as we're majoring on that, the reality is we do have this time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in many churches, there's multiple opportunities throughout a week, not just on Sundays, but in other smaller contexts to in music, worship God. So I, I mean, I, mm -hmm. I'm fine with saying worship time because when you're talking to people like I'm talking to you, we're in the know. We're not saying there's just this 20-minute slot on Sundays. That's when you worship. We're saying all of it. However, 
we are intending to mm -hmm. worship God in a special way yes. during that time of musical praise and worship unto God. You mentioned as you were unraveling or unpacking what worship is, that um, that time of singing is costly. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that it's worship is costly. And so, so my question is, how is the time of singing then costly? Mm -hmm. if, if worship is costly, and if the time of musical worship is worship, how mm -hmm. is that costly in your mind? I think one of the things I've been thinking about lately is how sacrifice isn't just the leftovers of what we give God, but it's the best of what we can give God. And I think about a Sunday morning experience, for instance, and for a lot of us, you know, Sundays are our days off. A lot of people will spend Sundays with their families and they should do that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, carving out an hour or in, our, in some people's cases, they'll, they'll serve for a service, they'll attend worship for a service. Like carving out this time, it's, it's, it's some of the best time we have during the week. Like it's, it's our day off, maybe we're well rested, we're giving our time to God, the, the best mm -hmm. of us. And that time of singing, man, to be able to give that, that energy, a lot of times like that mental clarity, that, that special moment in our week to God, that, that does cost something. You could, give, you could be going to get brunch at Red House, you could be at home prepping for like a Sunday football game, you could be sleeping in, you could be doing a lot of other things, you know, but to get in the car, come to the house. If you're an introvert especially, I know that there's like a, a unique <laughs> kind of offering mm -hmm. there and to be able to like, even if you're not like a great singer, to lift your voice up with people and to expose, I mean a voice is like, you're exposing who you are in a lot of ways. Like it's kind of vulnerable when you're singing and to just like say, God, this is like, it's for you. This is like the best of me right now. I'm presenting it to you. That is a cost in of itself. You're sacrificing, you know, status. You're sacrificing time. You're sacrificing energy. And for many of us, you know, we, we give that and we receive so much back from the Lord and we don't do it for that necessarily, but that's just often the, the result. But yeah, giving our voices to God in that moment, grabbing a hold of those words. I always like to think of that, like people grabbing a hold of the worship lyrics, making them their own. That's a sacrifice too. You may come into the room wanting to say something different to God or complain or whatever it might be, but to grab a hold of these lyrics and be like, okay, these are, for, these are now my prayer mm. for God. It's like a mental sacrifice in a lot of ways too. So I think there's a lot of components to it. That's so well said, Riley. It just ma it makes me think of the shift after Christ's resurrection in mm. the meeting day of the people of God, you know, from Saturday, the last day of the week, a day of rest to recover from the week that came before and prepare mm. for the day, the week that's coming from Saturday to Sunday, which is meant as the first day of the week. And in the Old Testament mm -hmm. era, one of the ways you could worship God was by giving him the first fruits. Yes. Right. And so in a sense, it's kind of like, you know, and I realize that we can, you know, Paul said we can worship any day yes. of the week and at any time mm -hmm. during the week. But to say, and as uniquely on Sunday morning, I'm giving the first 
of my week to God. Um, that that's a statement in and of itself. And I totally agree with you about the grabbing the the lyrics thing mm-hmm. because um, that is an act of discipline. Mm-hmm. You know, because our minds are so distracted. So part of our worship is to say, I'm going to fix my mind on who God is. I, I so need good. this afresh. I need to be thinking about who he is and responding to who he is in worship. And that, that at the end of the day, really is what worship is. It's a response yes. to who God is. Sometimes that response is very emotional, emotive. Mm-hmm. We're yeah. touched in a fresh way. But honestly, if we go to church 52 Sundays out of the year, there's going to be plenty of times where it's not emotional. It's, mm-hmm. it's not a, a like, man, my soul was just pierced kind of experience. And it's going to be more of a discipline of here are truths that I know about God. I'm seeing them afresh. I'm hearing my brothers and sisters in Christ sing them. And now I want to respond to God mm-hmm. for who he is. And my response might even not be very emotional, but it is my duty. And I'll go through even the motions of worship, trusting that the yes. emotions are going to follow in 100%. due course. So love that. Thanks for talking a little bit about what worship is and just that delineation between uh, the lifestyle of worship and then the uh, what we're doing in that corporate time of worship. So in a sense, um, I like what you're saying because, you know, as the as a man who, you know, God is asked to teach the Bible to God's people or to bring the sermon a lot of times on at a corporate gathering, it's helpful for me to know the worship's not over when hmm. the Bible is opened up. Totally. This is a time of worship as well. Where, yes. where is our mind? Are we devoted to God? Are we wanting to be obedient and hear what he has to say? There's a worshipful way to engage with the word and with a sermon. And then, of course, there are thousands of unworshipful, mm-hmm. non-worshipful ways to engage with a sermon as well. So Absolutely. thank you for giving that delineation. So why, Riley, in your opinion, is the, the song worship portion of modern church gatherings why is it so often especially in the west why is it so often controversial i mean why why when we say things like worship wars do people laugh and they know exactly Mm -hmm. what we're talking about why is that even a thing in the contemporary western church why are there these heated debates the worship wars for anybody who's not you know, super familiar with that term worship wars, what we're not talking about is people actually going to war over our worship services. Although, you know, people get up in arms about songs and style and lyrics. And I think a lot of it honestly is for good reason. A lot of it's not for good reason. When when I think about the worship wars, and if you Google it, you'll get all kinds of different, you know, articles and YouTube videos that be kind of confusing. I think what I would kind of boil it down to is three things. One is um, musical, lyrical, and business, which I know sounds weird, but I'll talk about that in a second. But, you know, the, there's everybody comes into a church gathering with, you know, a preference musically. You know, we all have different musical tastes and interests, and, 
if you're older, younger, you may have different um, interests, but musically, there are definitely people who, who want it to sound a certain way. Uh, may they want it to sound more contemporary, drums, electric instruments. May they want it to be more stripped down, just voices or just an organ. Um, I think one thing to recognize right off the bat is that there is no one prescribed musical style in scripture. If we do want to get into the weeds about that, the Psalms talk about using symbols. And I don't know if you've ever been in a worship environment where there's only symbols and voices, but I haven't, and that does not sound like fun. <laughs> so I think that adding a drum set to the symbols can be helpful. Adding some other instruments can be helpful. But when we fight about the musical preferences, you know, whether it's too loud, too quiet, too many people on the stage, not enough people on the stage, organ or not, we're really arguing based off a of musical preference and not a commandment from scripture. Mm. And so it's so subjective. And it's, it's a hard place to find unity over because it's subjective. There's no like one clear answer. So I, I think that scripture has been, I mean, God was so kind, I think in a lot of ways to not prescribe just one way of doing it. There's freedom in that to some degree with scripture. We are called to lift up our voices and everything and to use music, the Levites use music specifically. But, you know, there is arguments about music. There's just not one way to, to do it. And so I think that, I, I wish that, I, I pray that we have more grace for each other with the musical tastes of different congregations. But the second thing is lyrical. But before you move on, oh, I, I just want to say, I, I, I note that as uniquely, because I'm asking the question, why in the Western contemporary yes. church are there these uh, debates and I, I think that just the the social setting of of the Western world lends to even more of yes. those uh, musical stylistic debates among people because in <clears throat> we're not even you, you know in some cultures you might have generations that mm. want music to be a little bit different but they might be a mono ethnic um, yes you know kind of uh, country or place, but in our Western world, not only are we dealing with various generations, but we're dealing with uh, diversity. So we yes, have 100%. lots of different backgrounds and musical tastes that we grew up with that also influence um, our tastes. So it's like we're <laughs> we're in the cauldron, so to speak, of <laughs> so true. of um, you know personal preference when it comes to you know music. So. Thank you for that. I, I love saying oh, that. So yeah. you're about to say the, the second one, the lyrical. Yeah, I mean, lyrics, words, they matter so much. Like, this is a really big one. And um, I think this is probably why I see like a lot, like most of is a debate over lyrics within worship, contemporary Western worship music. And um, a lot of times it comes with um, songs that are maybe what people call overly emotional or romantic even, um, not to totally drop names, but you think about a song like Closer from Bethel, the, the, the chorus says, draw me a little closer, take me a little deeper, I wanna know your heart. And people might be like, who, is that towards your spouse or is that towards God? Just like kind of confusing. Um, or you think about the classic, How He Loves, there's a lyric that said, when heaven meets earth, like a sloppy wet kiss, you're like, oh my gosh, should we be singing that in youth group? <laughs> and so there's like these debates, you know, over like, yeah. 
lyrics being maybe a little bit more overly romantic or just confusing and what people may call heretical. I mean, the obvious thing or song here is reckless love. People have criticized that word reckless over and over and over again. And there's good, good reasons and bad reasons for that. You know, people have different preferences and have um, a different understanding of what that word means within the context of the song and the author of the song and just the word itself. But the bottom line is that language is just so important because in our Sunday worship gatherings, what we are doing as pastors and leaders is saying, in a sense, maybe we're not actually saying it, but what we're implying is that you can gain theology and understanding of who God is through these songs. Mm. And if we're not careful about what songs we choose, then we may be in error of leading people astray. And that's a pretty significant, you know, consequence, but that's something I really do consider. And I've pulled songs before because I played them and then kind of reconciled with them. I'm like, I think it's just a little too confusing or challenging for the church. And I'm not trying to challenge the church lyrically during these songs. I want to lead people <laughs> to Jesus. There's enough trying to challenge people when it comes to a worship environment, like just point them to the gospel. And so mm. I think lyrically, there's obviously um, battles there for sure. But then the business side of things too, I mean, this is very specific to I, Western. And I, I, I just wanted to it. throw in there, you know, before you move on to the, the third one, which I'm super interested to hear about. But the the on the lyrical side of things, I find a lot of times the time constraint of the service mm. makes that lyrical frustration even worse. Um, because, mm. for instance, like just to use that word that you use, the word reckless, you know, and that people having an issue with that word. If you have a little bit of extra breathing room in the service, you can, before a song, mm. you can set the tone and even address a word like that, which in my mind, um, and perhaps the authors didn't think of it in this way, but when I hear the word reckless and reckless love, I, my mind goes straight to Luke 15 and the um, way in which the prodigal son's father, when mm. he saw his son from afar, felt compassion, threw off his robe and ran to his son. Everybody there would have called his behavior that day reckless. Uh, so that's what comes up in my mind. But if you're able to say that, like what we don't mean is yes. that God is somehow out of control. Totally. Um, and what we do mean is that his compassionate heart causes him to do things that we wouldn't even be comfortable doing. Um, that's the thrust of that story. Or... You know, I mean, there's other lyrics that's just like, you know, when I raise my Ebenezer, you know, it's like, I yes. think every single time you sing that hymn, you got to explain beforehand, hey, this is what an Ebenezer is. It's not, you can't order this at the local cantina. This, <laughs> this is what happened in Samuel and how yeah, they went right. out to war and they got a certain point and they put down an Ebenezer stone and saying, God has helped me up to this point. And it gives power to the lyrics then yes. that maybe otherwise people are just kind of singing like, I have no idea what raising my Ebenezer means. Am I even allowed to do that? You know, <laughs> instead you're, you realize I'm, what I'm saying is, God, you've helped me to yes. this point today. But 
there's just a time constraint and there's also i think like a stylistic com uh, constraint where people are kind of like hey we don't really want to have the worship leader talking at us all the time you know? <laughs> 100%, so just like dude. <laughs> keep going man <laughs> and and some worship leaders have that gift of being able to you know succinctly mm -hmm. and clearly articulate and then you know lead people onward and i think you're i think you have that gifting and then others, it's just kind of like you you feel kind of like I hate when I feel like I'm at a coffee shop in between songs. And it's just like, wow, just you're just sharing. Yeah, you're just sharing stuff. You're <laughs> oversharing right now. <laughs> oh, man, I love it. There's some great okay. memes online about oversharing worship <laughs> pastors. I won't bring those up right now. I'll make this one oh, quick. Man. But I think that just um, for anybody who because I've had these conversations with people on Sundays, there is a business side to the modern contemporary Christian music CCM um, music scene. And a lot of the songs that we sing on Sundays, if you, I mean, the most crude way of saying it is that I'm, I'm kind of like a cover band in a lot of ways for these artists who are writing these beautiful songs. I'm grabbing them, bringing them into our team and leading them. But because of that, um, there's all these different regulations in place that when I, I play a song, they're getting paid a little bit. They're getting when paid you a little play bit. A song, yeah, exactly. So, there's so if, if there's like a ministry that's that we're we consider off a bit, yes. like I, I mean I don't know if you're wanting to say this, but like a Bethel ministry, mm -hmm. yeah, and and then it's like you're playing a Bethel song that you're like you know lyrically it's fine. The beef that someone would have is. But you're sending money to, towards a ministry that's yes. we deem off. Exactly. That's probably the, the most succinct way of saying it. And so there's obviously, those are for people who are probably more ingrained into Christian culture and are really considering like the way that like, church works behind the scenes, if you want to say it that way. So that's just another, I don't know if we want to talk about that at all, but there's that's another war. And so, I mean... I don't like the wars over worship music. I wish that we would just be concerned more about leading our churches specifically, but there is a time and place to yeah. bring critique. We, we need to be accountable to these different um, areas and make sure that we're really leading in a way that's helpful and for that mutual building up of the saints. You know, I, as a pastor, I'm here to teach, build and equip people. And so um, it's just really important. Yeah, I love, man. I love that you're, I mean, I, I kind of had this question on my list as like a, well, maybe a little comedic uh, relief here in the middle of the podcast, <laughs> oh, but you, you really like, I can tell this is I something so that you, you think about, you know, yeah, and totally. so I love the, um, this is not something you're like, oh, I got to come up with an answer. You, you've had to kind of wrestle with these yeah. in your role. Mm -hmm. And I know for you, it's not like you enjoy confrontation kind of people that do should not be worship leaders <laughs> but you know you you don't want it but i think you've realized like I've, you've had to deal with these three categories i love those buckets that you're creating yeah. um and i think for me my my opinion i mean i'm a, i'm a very um come from a very grace oriented um history and what what i mean by that is is um a very like I'm, I'm comfortable being a little uncomfortable. And mm. for me as a Bible teacher and expositor, I feel part of my role is to be as solid as I can possibly be 
so that um, if we happen to do a song that is somehow going to connect to a ministry that we're not really fans of, you can't really make an argument that that's where we're going. You know, totally. we're, we're using something that is imperfect, just like God does all the time with Amen. us to serve God. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm comfortable kind of, uh, you know, pushing that a little bit. There have been times where you and I have talked and said, yeah, mm -hmm. let's nix uh, that song. Yeah. Uh, but I think for the most part, I'm not, uh, I'm not one of these fussy people. I'm not going to start blogging about these <laughs> things. Okay. So. I wanted to ask you though, you know, like you said, we have this, you know, Western American kind of, you know, worship culture. I mean, it's like, it's on Spotify. It's one of the genres, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, oh, there's yeah. a, there's an industry out there. There's all these different styles. And I think you said earlier, you know, that thing like, yeah, you know, we, we get something out of it, but a lot of times we make that the emphasis. Like I'm trying to get something out of the worship time, which to me just sounds impossible. Like on a Sunday morning, 45, 50 times out of the year, like I'm really going to just go and be moved by my local worship team. Like you guys are great, but I've heard you so many times, you know, like I, know. I, 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 I mean, like I can only imagine going to see one of my favorite bands in the world 50 times in a year. Like there's going to come a point where it doesn't move me anymore. That's such a good point. And, and so in my mind, like I'm just thinking about the rote nature of it. And sometimes I even think about it like this. I think, dude, like this is great what we're doing right now, but it is 9 a.m. Straight I'm, up. Like I, I'm not really even ready for drums yet. You know, like, <laughs> so true. <laughs> this feels like nighttime kind of stuff, you know, like if, if what I need to have is like energy and enthusiasm, mm -hmm. you know, to be all getting something out of it. A lot of times I'm not even there. Mm -hmm. So um, I threw you a quote earlier uh, this week in preparation for this discussion from uh, D.A. Carson, who wrote, I think, the best chapter in uh, the whole, uh, in a book called Worship by the Book. It's kind of mm -hmm. different contributors, but his chapter is really um, beautiful. He's got a great definition of worship in there, but he said, mm. despite protestations, one sometimes wonder it wonders if we are beginning to worship worship rather than worship God. So yes. I wanted to ask you about that. You know, is it possible to make the mistake of worshiping worship? Yeah, I mean, I think the obvious answer is yes, for sure. We we all worship something. It can really be anything. And worship music, worship times are not excluded from that. I think that if we enter into our worship times on Sundays for like a personal high, emotional high experience, then we may be worshiping worship. Mm. Like you said, it's so easy to fall into that temptation to want Sunday morning to be like almost like personal therapy for you. You know, you mean like the worship time is going to, you're coming in with all this stuff and you want God just to minister to you in that moment. And it becomes about you. I think it's, um, yeah, it's pretty clear. I think that it's definitely something we can worship. And if we choose, you know, our, our home churches based on our own musical preferences, I think that sometimes we need to ask the question, yeah, am I worshiping worship? Is this going to be the thing that 
defines my Christian experience with this church body is the worship mm. band or style. Um, we just can't center our decisions solely on that. Um, musical preferences is what I'm specifically talking about, just the music side of things. Um, we, we just can't do that. Our, our decisions to become a part of a church family have to be centered and revolve around the person of Jesus, opportunities to serve, be a part of a family. And I mean, just honestly, like, you didn't really ask me this, but I think about the churches in America. There are a few very big churches and there are a ton of tiny churches. There are some worship leaders who are incredibly gifted vocally, instrumentally. There are some who are not good. And um, I just don't think that whether somebody's like incredible or even not, musically is what I'm trying to say, is that that should not be like the determining factor for joining a church. If it is, then I think that we're in danger of potentially worshiping worship. So those are just a couple of thoughts, but. I love that, man. I, 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 I mean, just kind of like big picture wise, I think that we're going to be entering into in the Western church, maybe out here in California, we're going to experience this first because of cost of living issues and things like that. But I think that over the next 10, 20 years, we're going to have to become more comfortable with a decline in the quality of some of our uh, the musical quality of our worship. Because mm. if you think about the way that the population is shifting, younger people are moving to the cities. So we're becoming more urban. So that's where a lot of the newer talent is going to live, yeah. where people are, can play. And so what you're going to have is just a, a dilution where there's not as many high quality skilled musicians in so many of the towns and places that the church exists. And those churches are going to be exposed to top tier, upper level, professional grade worship through the internet and are going to be wondering why can't we reproduce that here? Yes. Well, partly because we don't have a a million dollar, $500,000 a year budget for our worship department. And partly because those people don't live here. They live in the big cities. That's kind of a shift that's happening, wow. happening, you know, currently. So I wanted to ask you, though, you know, like, okay, so we don't want to worship worship. That shouldn't be the primary driver for church selection. I have another question, though, for you. Um, you know, kind of in our modern time, a couple of words that are... Um, have a high value to a lot of people are the words authentic or authenticity mm-hmm. and then passion or passionate maybe kind of joining together with that maybe passionate is kind of fading a little bit and authenticity is mm-hmm. a little bit more yeah. in its heyday but it seems like I mean when I was you know younger the passion uh, ministry which I know is still you know going on mm-hmm. but it was kind of mm-hmm. new when I was younger in the Lord um, that, that word itself, passion, you know, and we thought of worship, it shouldn't be like dead or dull, it should be passionate. Uh, authentic kind of gives room a little bit for, well, I'm not feeling passionate, yes. so mm-hmm. I need to be real right now. 
But I wanted to ask you about those words. Must we always be authentic and passionate in worship? So if I'm not feeling it, should I be authentic about that and just kind of call it a day? Um, or should I be drumming up passion and like if I've got to like have that zeal for God while I'm worshiping and then if I don't, there's something wrong. Do we mm, have to have that in order for it to be true worship? Dude, that is, that is such a good question. I think something just to put out there is just that authenticity does not equal correct. Um, passionate does not equal correct. Um, if we are looking to lean on our authenticity or passion to guide us into worship, then what's happening is we're actually trying to find motivation from within ourselves to worship. But like we've talked about, worship doesn't, it's not coming from within. Mm. Worship comes from an, an understanding, like a reckoning of who God is and giving him just the honor and worship that he truly desires. So, you know, I think about authenticity and I think it can be a tool for worship. I heard somebody say recently that authenticity is when your mind and your mouth and your actions are in alignment. And say like I'm coming to a Sunday worship gathering and I've just experienced some kind of loss. It would be wrong for me, I believe, to come to that worship environment and just disregard what happened and just give God the praise, you know. Um, Jesus is so clear. He says, um, all who are weary, all who are weary, come to me. Like, I will give you a yoke that is easy. I, I am compassionate in heart towards you. And I think that that opens the door for us to bring our fully aligned, maybe hurting selves to God. And at the same time, grabbing a hold of this call to worship. Um, I think that that's a way we can bring our authentic selves into submission to Christ for his glory. I don't, my authentic self on Sunday mornings, when I wake up at 4.30 a.m., not to flex on anybody, but when I wake up at 4.30 a.m. on a Sunday, my authentic self does not say, wow, thank God it's 4.30 a.m. and I get to get dressed and leave my wife and my baby at home. I love 4.30s. <laughs> They're so great. <laughs> They're so great, right? But it's like, authentically, I'm like, dude, I just want to sleep. And if I let my authenticity guide me, I obviously would make bad decisions. So we all get that. But it can be a tool, I believe, because it can allow for us to worship um, with everything we have and still grab a hold of God's command to worship Him. And passion oftentimes is like a result of worship. But yeah, trying to conjure it up within us to then get to the house to worship I mean, good luck. That's just so hard consistently, you know. I've found personally that a lot of times when I'm engaging with God in worship and praising Him, recognizing who He is, focus on Him, that passion, like a passionate moment does come. Like I mentioned earlier, I, I, was, I cried a little bit on Sunday when we were singing um, King of Kings. We said, um, as the, then the church of Christ was born. And I was like, it just like hit me, you know? We had just been seeing about how God is so big, powerful. We said praise to the Father, Son, and Spirit. And um, it just like hit me in a passion. I looked at the church and I was like, this is what happened because of the cross, you know? And so 
I really do believe that passion does happen as a result sometimes of worship, but trying to just get it, get the energy up to worship doesn't always um, work. You know, Jesus said in John 14, if you love me, keep my commandments. Like, it's just so simple. It, keeping the commandments overrides authenticity, overrides passion. It's, it's a discipline. It's, mm. do you, have we come into contact with God, received his love, and then respond with discipline to worship him? That's the real question we got to, I think, ask when it comes to that Sunday worship time. I love that, Riley. Yeah, James K.A. Smith in his uh, book, You Are What You Love, he talks a little bit about this, you know, just mm -hmm. that if there's kind of like an attitude that a lot of times modern churches will have that we are coming together and we are, um, we are uh, performing almost, we're singing to an audience of one. Right. And so when we think wow. of it that way, it's like, wow, I've got to like, I got to think of novel, fresh ways to stir myself up because I want to be impressive to God mm. when the reality is God's just like, I've done this thing where I want you guys to get together every Sunday and take communion all the time and just get together. <laughs> like it's going to be, it's going to be very regular, very wow. systematic. And I mean, you see that dating all the way back into the old Testament era of worship and just the rep repetition, you know, each year and each Sabbath and it's a decision of worship, but I think you're right. What you're adding to this component is the idea that it's not that authenticity leads to correct thinking mm -hmm. or that passion leads to correct thinking, but correct thinking can lead to authenticity of worship and passion exactly. in worship. So this is why we are continually going back to who is God? What is the gospel? And when those questions are at the forefront of our minds, we become better equipped to worship. Maybe it'll be passionate that day. Maybe it won't, mm -hmm. but it will be genuine, real. I think you can get that so authentic good. worship by fixating on who the Lord is. Well, Riley, I don't want to take up too much more time. I'd love to kind of wrap things up, but mm -hmm. I teased a little bit earlier that we don't see the title worship leader or worship pastor uh, in the Bible in the Old Testament or mm -hmm. in the New Testament. There are some Old Testament figures in the priesthood that were involved in the leading of worship. Of course, the term pastor came into being in more the New Testament church, the New Testament era, although the prophets in the Old Testament were considered shepherds and the spiritual leaders were considered mm -hmm. shepherds of the people, which is part of where we get our word or idea of pastor from. Um, but, um, for you, I think uh, maybe just a consideration that I have, you know, just kind of talking with you uh, today is that, okay, all of life is worship. Mm -hmm. You are a pastor who spends a big bulk of his ministry time in life leading the corporate music time of worship. But since that's not the totality of worship, you're a pastor you happen to help people in worship music, uh, but you're so much more than that. And I'm, I'm really thankful to be serving with you because um, uh, not only do I appreciate who you are and your pastoral heart off the platform and outside of music, but I can see a strong future for you 
in pastoring and shepherding God's people. I know you'd be just as happy putting your guitar aside, in other words, and sitting with someone and tenderly counseling mm -hmm. them. Like you, you care about people. Mm -hmm. So um, I just love that about you and, and appreciate about that, that about you. So a question that I have, not, not even really related to that one, but is for those of us who are, you know, going to church week in, week out, maybe even our church, Calvary Monterey, is there in your mind, and I guess you can only really speak for our church, is there an intentional progression to Calvary Monterey's weekly worship time? Is there a reason why we structure yeah. it and organize it the way we do? Oh, 100%. You know, I think that you and I, this is like, aside from just talking just music, this is like one of the things that you and I love just to kind of go back and forth about, you know, is like what, what makes this time, you know, the most God-glorifying, most vertical in a lot of ways um, for the Lord. And... Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of intentionality to it. We're always tweaking it, you know, but I was trained up in the way of viewing services, kind of like how God commanded Israel to worship in the temple, to approach the temple. You know, worship at the temple in the Old Testament began on the hillside. It proceeded to move um, from the temple courts, kind of like the outer inner, into the holy places, to the holy and most holy. So you kind of like, there's like this progression from the hillside um, all the way into the holies. And I do think about that when we're crafting our services. Like, if you want to think about it, maybe like in a picture form, it's like a lot of what we're doing at first is kind of like horizontal towards each other kind of ministry and songs. We're gathering together. Um, we're coming together for worship. There's like an element that kind of like, transitions us a little bit towards like the diagonal which I think would um, maybe like include like requests or um, would recognize God's love for us and then there's an, another element where we are truly diagonal and getting vertical which mm. would be like where we're just ascribing praise to God so it's like gather then like recognize these lyrics of faith and um, God's goodness, and then it's just like, God, you're, you're incredible. You're amazing. You're, you're everything that just you are. Um, so, when I think through our speaking portions, I'm thinking about that. I'm trying to craft those in between songs and portions of service to lead us in that direction. When I'm picking songs, some people might not be super stoked about how many songs we have, or maybe like how little songs we have in the rotation. I don't know, but I try to really choose songs specifically that do those things that will lead us um, towards this vertical moment. Mm -hmm. And so I don't talk about it from the platform really. I just kind of communicate it though, like through the lyrics we sing and the different speaking portions we have. But to answer your question, yes, or horizontal to kind of diagonal to vertical. It kind of tilts from like just flat all the way upwards. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of, think about a lot of times with our services. And then I like how at the end of that corporate worship music time, where we have that vertical moment of really offering ourselves to God, we then pray for and dedicate mm -hmm. our tithes and offerings yes. to God, which is kind of a tangible way to say, God, we worship you. We, we're not just saying that we give you our lives, we're, we're actually doing it. Here's some of our treasure, it belongs to you. Yes. And then the next step being to open up the word 
God, we've spoken to you and now we've given to you. And we're praying now that you would speak to us. We want you to direct our lives. We want to come under the authority and submission of your word. And then you and I have been talking with our pastoral team quite a lot recently about making a shift in the near future where we partake of communion each week Mm -hmm. after that sermon because often the word, though beautiful for us and important for us, it is sharp as a double-edged mm-hmm. sword, and there are times where we come face-to-face. As much as I might preach the gospel and grace and point people to Jesus, the reality is he's the hero of the story, and we're not, and we mm-hmm. need his grace afresh, and so we're going to partake of communion Amen. there at the end of the service. So very intentional design, and I think really um, historical in the church, but also mm-hmm. helpful yeah. in our in our modern times. So. Do you like being a worship pastor, Riley? Oh, yes. Yeah, it's, it's my favorite thing I get to do outside of being a husband and a dad and a friend and a brother and a son. You know, it's, it's the best. Serving here with you, the pastors, it's just one of the greatest opportunities of my life as far as love doing it so much. Love our church. Thank you to our whole church for allowing me to be your worship pastor. And man, what a joy. I love it. I look forward to Sunday every single week. I love it. And I don't, yeah. Not just saying it. I really do. I really do look forward to it. I love that about you, and I, I feel the same way. I just, uh, I, I, it does not get old to me. Mm-hmm. Same. So thank you, man. I, I know the church appreciates you, appreciates your heart. And uh, thanks for meeting like this, where Riley and I are distanced from each other right now. I, I'm just uh, getting finished with I'm well. I've been testing negative, but uh, we decided to do an online recording today so that we just would not be breathing each other's air. Uh, because I had a little bout with COVID, but feeling great and can't wait to get back in the pulpit uh, with the church. But thank you, Riley, for uh, the time. And uh, thank you guys for listening to this episode. And, you know, as always, we don't say this all the time, but if you want to share this with other people or leave us a review on uh, line, we'd greatly appreciate it. You know, those go a long way to kind of spreading the word. Uh, about what we're doing here at the Jesus Famous Podcast. God bless you guys.